Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Our guests today address finding hope in our world, both in our current generation and in our youth culture. Pastor Max Licato and Christian musician Phil Joel. First up is Max Licato, a New York Times bestselling author who has written a new book called Unshakable Hope, in which he offers encouraging guidance for overcoming sadness and despair, renewing a sense of purpose, and triumphantly facing our fears of the future. I decided to write a book on hope when I came across what I thought was a very disturbing statistic, and that's uh, the fact that uh, suicides have gone up 24% since 1999. I was so struck by that, and I thought, how could that be? How could that be? And I know there are many, many answers to that question, but I think at the core of it has to be a lack of hope. You know, if you don't have any hope, then you don't have reason or power to live tomorrow. And so I thought, how can we best give people hope? And, and so this book was my attempt to give, uh, give readers some practical ways to start building their lives on God's promises and thereby discover a life of hope. I can think of several occasions when God's promises spoke directly to me. Most recently, uh, because of some changes at the church where I serve in San Antonio, I've stepped back in as senior minister. I was senior minister uh, for 20 years, and then I was a teaching minister, and then I needed to step back in and uh, at the age of 62. And I came across a promise in the book of uh, Psalms where the psalmist says, I know, O Lord, that you will use me even though my hair is gray. That's kind of a loose translation. And I thought, now there's a promise I can stand on because I think as we even get older, I know we probably should think, oh, I have more experience, I'm more qualified than ever. But sometimes we think, you know, I'm a little too old for this. But I thought, I'm going to stand on that promise that, uh, that if God places me here, He can use me, even though my hair, even though in my case it's more thin than gray, but uh, either way, uh, it, it, it really helped me. And I still stand on that promise today. As pastors, we're called to give people hope. Uh, Sometimes this hope comes through information, sometimes through inspiration, usually through both. And so pastors need to be busy about the task of increasing the hope level in society. And we do this in our church. Uh, finding ways to do this can be a challenge. But understanding that the Bible is stitched together with these promises, over 7,000 of them, that's the go-to place for pastors. If we can learn to tap into these promises and teach our church to use them, then we've done our churches a great favor. I chose these promises specifically because uh, I filtered my selection process through my role as a pastor. Every pastor, really every person, but especially pastors tend to find themselves in conversations with people who need encouragement. And I have found that the best way to encourage people is just to give them a scripture, a, a word from, from God's word. And so these are those that through the years I found myself going and turning to over and over and over. For example, I often find myself encouraging people with this promise from the book of Psalms that sorrow may come for the night, but joy comes with the morning. You know, if somebody is in the midst of a difficult time, a season of sadness, they don't need you to come in really and fix it. They know you can't, but they need somebody to say, yeah, sorrow comes, but joy will come in the morning. That is to say, just give it time. You can bet that joy is gonna come back. Well, that's a promise I turn to a lot. And so that is one of the many promises that I think we could equip ourselves with 
to face the challenges of life. I think the Bible compares hope to an anchor for many reasons. One, anchors are universal. Anybody who's ever been in a boat knows the purpose of an anchor, especially anybody who's been in a boat during a storm. <laughs> you know the importance of an anchor. But an anchor serves as a picture for how we Christians find our hope. You know, you do not anchor the boat to itself. You do not anchor the boat to other boats. And you don't anchor the boat to something on the surface. You anchor the boat to something deep and solid. And there's a picture of what uh, God desires for us to do with our own lives. We're all going to be caught up in storms. So we would be wise not to anchor to a person or to a possession, to a position, but we would be wise to anchor to a rock that is deep and hidden and that cannot be affected by the storm. Of course, in our case, that rock is Jesus Christ. We anchor our lives to Him. And when the storms come, sure the wind's going to blow and the boat's going to bounce. But still, when the storm comes, we know we'll survive because we're anchored to the rock. You know, this message is important for our kids because they're not getting hope anywhere else. You can bet that the songs they're listening to aren't telling them to have hope or the messages they're seeing on television aren't giving them a sure place to go for hope or they're giving them places to turn to for hope only to find themselves disappointed. They're finding themselves at dead-end streets or at empty wells. They're thinking that romance would give them hope or, or a new tattoo would give them hope or, 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 or a new uh, boyfriend would give them hope. And, and we've all been around the block enough to know that simply doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. So if we can equip our kids early to turn to God for hope and to trust His Word as the source of hope, we've done We've done exactly what we need to do. We've given them a place to go for hope. I think the message of unshakable hope is extremely important for our world today because we are in a secularistic culture. That is to say, we are in a culture that does not value the unseen or the divine. It values only what we can touch or taste or smell or feel. So it's difficult to find hope in what we touch, taste, see, or feel, because it's all passing, it's all rusting, it's all decaying. So how can you find hope in that? Secularism has a way of sucking hope out of the society because it bases life on everything between birth and hearse. Christ, however, invites us to lift up our eyes and to place our hope in divine presence. Consequently, we have hope regardless of what storms blow through, regardless of what countries threaten our country, regardless of what the economy does. It's not to say it's easy, but it is to say there is a source of hope, and that is these great and precious promises of God. Peter said that these great and precious promises of God allow us to participate in the divine nature. That is to say we begin to breathe air of heaven. We begin to hear the sounds of heaven. We participate in where God is. So that's what these promises do. They're kind of like brick stones on the path that lead us into the very presence of God. I believe the one thing I would emphasize when it comes to the message of unshakable hope is every person has a choice. Every person has a choice. You know, Jesus told the story of the two builders. Uh, one who built a house on the sand and the other who built his house on the rock. Uh, both builders had a choice. 
both chose. The, the one who built on the sand did so for some reason. Maybe it was easy to get to. Maybe it was affordable. Uh, but he made a choice. Okay, I'm just going to build my house on this sand. Well, that turned out to be a bad choice. He didn't have to make that choice. And so Jesus urges us to be careful, careful about where we're building our house of faith or where we're building our lives. And I think that's the word I would give to people. Every day we have the choice. Are we going to stand on the circumstances of life, the pain in life, the problems of life? Or are we today going to build our lives on the promises of God? And making that daily choice is the most important choice we can make. To learn more about Max's new book, Unshakable Hope, visit maxlocato.com. We'll be right back after this brief message about Country Music's CMA Fest television event. Watch the music event of the summer, CMA Fest, Wednesday, August 8th at 8, 7 central on ABC, hosted by Thomas Rhett and Kelsey Ballerini. See more than 20 of your favorite artists perform their newest hits, including Carrie Underwood, Blake Shelton, Keith Urban, Jason Aldean, Luke Bryan, Dirk Bentley, Thomas Rhett, Chris Stapleton, Jake Owen, Darius Rucker, and more. That's CMA Fest on Wednesday, August 8th at 8, 7 central on ABC. Welcome back. Our next guest is musician Phil Joel, best known for his long-standing role as bass player and vocalist for the multi-platinum selling band Newsboys, and now frontman for the band Zealand. Phil shares some of his background and upbringing, his journey to becoming a part of the Newsboys, and how, with his band Zealand, he desires to bring hope to teenagers, enabling them to draw closer to God through worship. My name is Phil Joel, and uh... Originally, I'm from New Zealand, and I came here 24 years ago with the Newsboys and uh, as uh, their bass player and singer. Growing up in New Zealand, I guess, um, and it's a pretty wonderful country, pretty great sort of place to grow up in. And, uh, you know, getting back to the beginning sort of, of my existence, I was an adopted kid. Uh, so I was adopted as a baby into a Christian home, which is pretty special because New Zealand, um, well, I think it's super special and the adoption, adoption is massive and it's just the greatest gift, you know, anyone could give a kid. Um, but, uh, the fact I was adopted into a Christian home is something special because there's really, you know, not Christianity down there is not quite what it is here in the U S you know, it's, um, uh, I think 5% of the population would call themselves Christians. Somehow my parents did a really great job of letting me know that, you know, I was, um, not biologically theirs, but, um, that I was adopted, but it, and it made me, you know, actually they did a great job of letting me feel kind of special in that, you know, like, wow, yeah, this is a privilege. This is a really cool thing, you know? Um, uh, yeah, but you know, as an adopted kid, you do struggle with different things. Um, you know, trust issues, connect issue, connection issues, and these sorts of things, I think take a little more uh, you know, effort on the, on the parental front to make sure that an adopted kid feels valued. Grew up going to church and all that kind of good stuff and, you know, just regular kid riding skateboards, falling off his BMX bike. And, um, and then at a certain point, um, someone gave me a guitar and I thought, oh, I like this. This is kind of me. I, I feel something good about this, you know. And, and as an adopted kid, oftentimes that's – your senses are kind of sort of, you know – 
uh, on the ready, on alert, waiting for those sorts of moments um, because you want to connect with something that resonates within you that is that you get a sense is beyond sort of, you know, your conditioning. It's actually something that's a part of you that um, is maybe genetically sort of in there, you know, and so music was that for me. I, I, I got really excited about it and dove into, you know, playing guitar and singing and all of that good stuff. Becoming a newsboy was a bit of an adventure. Early on, I was in a band um, uh, in New Zealand, and we opened for newsboys and uh, got to know the guys, you know, when they were touring down in New Zealand. And then they came back to the U.S. They just sort of moved over over to the States, and their bass player decided to leave. And so they gave me a call. They said, hey, Phil, what are you doing? And um, it was pretty funny. They called me, honestly, at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was sleeping on friend's couch. I really didn't have an idea of what was going on in my life. I knew the Lord was doing something. He was moving in my life in a new way. And I knew he was up to something. Um, And I'd actually gone ahead and got my passport ready. I'd never been on a big plane, never been out of the country. I'd got a, a visa to come to the U.S., I was kind of ready. My bags were pretty much packed. I was coming. I was going to come over here for something else, um, and I was kind of readying myself for that. And then the phone rang, you know, and it was the newsboys, and it just clicked. I was like, "This is what you've been preparing me for, Lord." Okay. So I basically got on a on a plane the next day and flew to the USA and uh, flew to Los Angeles and got picked up and got swept up into uh, you know into a life of madness within the newsboys world. So um. And that was in 1994. I still use that. I mean, that's still one of those touchstone things in my life to realize and remember that God can do whatever he wants. He can have someone pick up the phone, you know, and and then the phone can ring and it could be whoever on the phone. He can make those connections and move someone from one side of the planet to the other in order to get them positioned to do whatever it is he has them to do. So, you know, it's just, it helps me in remembering, hey, trust God. He knows what he's doing. And, um... That's exactly what he wants to do for everybody. He wants to us to walk in relationship, and that's obviously two way a two-way thing. It's communication both from us, yes, praying, offering up our requests and whatnot, but it's also us listening and saying, Lord, what are you speaking to me today? What are you showing me? Jesus Calling, it came at a time for us when we'd already been, uh, we'd, we'd hit this kind of moment, Heather and I, in our lives where we realized we knew a lot about God. Um, We'd grown up in church. You know, here I was in the middle of Christendom, doing my thing, traveling as a professional Christian, (laughs) basically. Um, And and yet, you know, we we hit this realization that we knew a lot about God, but we just didn't really know Him. And we wanted to know Him, and we wanted to hear from Him. And because we... We had, at this point, we we'd married for about four or five years. We had our first child, and... Something kind of hit, you know, the weight of life, the reality of life, and the responsibility of being a parent, I think, was a big part of it. Um, But uh, at that time, we decided to get up in the morning and spend time opening up our Bibles, opening up our hearts, and spending time with the Lord, and asking Him to speak. And and guess what happened? (laughs) He began to speak, you know. Um, We began... We got, we were consistent with it, you know, and I think that's a big thing. Every every morning, we wound that alarm clock back. We kept coming back to meet with him and say, "Hey, Lord, we need you. We want to hear from you. Speak to us." And he began doing that. And so we'd write these things down in our journals and compare notes. You know, Heather would be on one side of the house, I'd be on the other, and we'd come together. And we still do this every morning, and we talk about what we feel the Lord's showing us. 
And so then um, Heather's mother gave us a copy of Jesus Calling, and it just made total sense. This was what the Lord was showing uh, uh, the author of Jesus Calling, and we were going, well, that's what he'd been doing to us. He's been speaking and showing us things. You know, we get up in the morning, spend our time with the Lord, and we we're just talking about it this morning, just saying, hey, we don't exactly know where everything's going. And at the moment, um, my main ministry focus is a band called Zealand. And uh, we find ourselves generally sort of in front of teenagers. Uh, although at the moment, we are on tour with Newsboys. Newsboys United is keeping us busy. The name of the band came about because, um, well, I was on a plane one day and I'd been writing songs and they were kind of zealous, you know, <laughs> yeah, excitable expressions of worship or of, of how I was seeing the Lord and the things the Lord was showing. And I don't know, it just kind of hit me, you know, Zealand. Zealand, of course. Well, I'm from New Zealand, um, but Zealand, yeah, we want to see people zealous for the land. We want to see people get excited about who God is and what he has in store for each of us and the relationship that is available. And so it kind of made sense, you know, and obviously, yeah, being from New Zealand, that's sort of a that's sort of a link there too. And one of the other guys in the band who happens to be my cousin is from New Zealand as well. But, um, but more importantly, we want to pe- see people just get excited about who God is because he is an exciting God who has an exciting future and hope there for everybody. You know, if we just reach for it, we don't exactly know what's next, but we do know what our heart beats for and what we'd love to see. But um, it's up to the Lord. We really have a heart for the next generation coming through. And I, you know, teenagers today are facing unique struggles, and um, but they live in a wonderful exciting kind of time i think you know we're real quick to sort of go oh you know things are falling apart but honestly this is a very exciting time in history to be alive and there are great opportunities to to serve and love on people and 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 be the body of christ and all that sort of good good stuff in this day and age um but there are so many distractions and there are things that are we feel are pulling kids hearts kind of away from who they should be from the relationships they're meant to be living in and walking in and primarily the relationship with the lord one of the big things that we uh, like to sort of address is the fact that we live in this wild social media saturated culture right now. We were all sort of, you know, comparing and looking at one another and um, kind of obsessed with uh, putting our best face forward and projecting a great image of who we are. And we're sort of missing out on real relationship, um, real relationship, number one, with God and then number two with the people that God's put in our lives. So uh, I think that, you know, I might be a Christian musician, but I, I, I think one of our heartbeats right now is to help this next generation see some of the things that are coming at them and learn how to be responsible with um, you know, their media choices. I did a big tour about six years ago, and someone said to me, hey, you've really got to get your socials dialed in. You've got to get on Facebook and you've got to open the stuff up, let people know that what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I kind of agreed you know, somewhat reluctantly, but I felt, okay, it's probably what I should do. So I opened up the old Facebook account and whatnot and instantly got, you know, a lot of followers. It was pretty exciting. And I was like, wow, okay, people, people are interested in what I'm doing. And, um, and, and so I began posting and doing doing the deal and, you know, it, it really didn't take long <laughs> before I kind of got obsessed with it. Um, it's quiet. It's a quiet little obsession. It starts pretty gently. 
you know, but I guess that's like anything, um, you know. Uh, and anyway, I just, my kids my, had to sit me down and say, Dad, we don't like you on social media. You, you're, you've changed and we're missing you. And I knew exactly what they were saying, you know, and I, <laughs> I, I said, I'm sorry, I don't like me on social media either. And uh, so I kind of shut things down and haven't looked back. And, you know, even in the midst of, in these last five years, um, started a new band, um, got signed to a new record deal. Um, we're out on tour, we're doing the whole thing, you know, playing our songs on the radio. And even in the midst of all that, I don't have any social media presence, um, which is kind of bewildering to people. But hey, life goes on and things still work. It's not for everybody to take the stance that we've taken or the position we've taken on it. Um, but I think it's just really important that it's that it's the option to not engage in these things is put on the table you know it's almost like oh that's not even an option you know you have to do this no you don't no one's no one's forcing you to do anything um you don't have to engage in these kinds of ways um so you know so for so many people i, th- I just think they're actually getting sicker being involved in these things their real relationships are getting shallower um they're getting more you know i'm watching youth culture get more depressed more anxious more fearful um, than ever before. We want to be recognized and, and we want to be enjoyed and, and loved and liked. And to me, I think so. social media is promising those things that will be seen, understood and liked. And it's over-promising and under-delivering. It's really not giving us what we're after because what we're after can only come from God. That's it. Um, you know, it, it, so we have to get that straight first <laughs> and we have to be getting that stuff from the source um, and he's the source of those things. He sees us, he understands us, and he really likes us. And we have to be tapping into that. That's what keeps things really exciting as we walk with the Lord, man. He, we never know where he's going to lead us. And keeps, you know, keeps, it keeps things fresh, especially when we're really consciously seeking him and asking him to speak. Phil goes on to talk about his latest project with his band Zealand and how he continues to ask God to speak through him as his music reaches a new generation of worshipers. I think there's fresh phrases, fresh expressions of who God is, what He's doing, and um, and what He's about, and and how He sees us uh, that we need to explore. And so, this record was really an attempt at doing that, you know. Um, and even in calling it "Liberated," it's a title track, and it's um, it, you know, it's a very special. There's a, a song in there that's really special, but beyond that particular song. I felt kind of liberated in, in working on this record and as a band just writing this stuff and casting off this sort of, okay, well, it has to be worship. It has to be just like this and that. It has to fit into the, you know, the format of how a church can do it and how it can be led and, uh, you know, at, at youth group or whatever. I just got rid of that. I thought, no, don't worry about that. Don't think about that. Just write and record what it is you feel you're meant to. And so that was really liberating. And I really you know cried out to the lord said lord what do you want this to look like and um it came together in a very different way and i'm really pleased with it it's okay to be a little uncomfortable at different points and feel like you know what i've got to jump out of this box and find i don't need yeah find what i'm exact what i'm meant to be doing and how i'm uniquely meant to be doing it um yeah and that's the god we serve he's just so creative and so fun and so full of fresh vision for us and as we seek him, you know, as we cry out to him, as we spend time listening, man, he gives us 
stuff. He's a good dad, you know. That's why we covered that Good Good Father song because it's so brilliant. Made sense to me. He's a good dad that has good things for his kids. It's been an interesting journey for throughout the years, and we keep we keep changing. But I think that's kind of life in the Lord, you know. He keeps moving you along and changing things and giving you fresh vision and different ideas. And so it's been a wild and wacky little journey. For more information on Phil Joel and the band Zealand, please visit their website at zealand.band. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we visit with Ainsley Earhart, the co-host of Fox News Channel's Fox and Friends. God says, you will have trouble. John 16, says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he promises us that we will all have trouble. And if you haven't had trouble in your life, you will. And I don't say that to be negative, I say that because you have to rely on God and God will get you through those valleys and he will walk you all the way up to the top of the mountain and you will look down at your journey and you will be glad you went through those struggles. This week's featured passage comes from the January 26th entry of the Jesus Calling audiobook. Give up the illusion that you deserve a problem-free life. Part of you is still hungering for the resolution of all difficulties. This is a false hope. As I told my disciples, in the world you will have trouble. Link your hope not to problem-solving in this life, but to the promise of an eternity of problem-free life in heaven. Instead of seeking perfection in this fallen world, pour your energy into seeking me, the perfect one. It is possible to enjoy me, and glorify me in the midst of adverse circumstances. In fact, my light shines most brightly through believers who trust me in the dark. That kind of trust is supernatural, a production of my indwelling spirit. When things seem all wrong, trust me anyway. I am much less interested in right circumstances than in right responses to whatever comes your way. Do you love hearing great stories of faith each week via the Jesus Calling podcast? We want to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed to the Jesus Calling podcast, visit the Jesus Calling page at iTunes.com and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and tell us how you feel about the show and what future guests you'd love to see. Your reviews and subscription help us share these stories of faith to more people who need the hope and encouragement of Jesus Calling. If you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.